0: I don't know what's happening right now, but is this like is there an elephant in the room right now? Is this what this is portraying as I'm watching Barney?
1: Oh, I thought we were leading with Cole Adams. No,
0: we are. We are leading with Cole Adams. I was I was gonna say I'm just trying to find out the meaning of the Barney song. Has it not hit you yet? No, it has not hit me yet. <laughs> no, what? what's the significance of it? Well, Cole point? Adams
1: is coming at 530 and uh, probably going to be an elephant. Uh, okay. Yeah, the elephant song, right. I Yeah, I, I was just going to say, we have
0: good news, bad news today. And I was going to ask Parker if he wanted to hear the good news or the bad news first, and Parker just said, let's just talk about the bad yeah, news. Yeah, you know, let's just get that out of the way. Which, you know, I you call it, or at least I called it bad news. It's not unexpected news, I would say. We were hopeful uh, a few weeks ago that maybe uh, OU could make up some serious ground and and flip this thing, but um, it went silent for a couple of weeks, Parker, and then now, yeah, Cole Adams is announcing today at 5.30, and we think he's going to pick Alabama, so I'm sure the reaction will be just fine and okay, and everybody will have a clear, nice take on Uh, the internet today,
1: Parker, when that Surprisingly, Tyler, the text line has been pretty docile thus far with regard to the pending Cole Adams news and the writing that appears to be on the wall at this point in time.
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, like Curtis B. said, he says, I want Cole Adams, but I understand. Uh, But, you know, basically saying I I understand the situation here. What if if he comes to OU and got hurt but was never a problem? OU will always take care of... Uh, of there on Bama, won't you say, in Oklahoma, huh? The last part of that was a little bit confusing, Curtis, but I get the sentiment there is that, yes, they'll be okay at wide receiver. Wide receiver recruiting is not really a position that I'm ever too
1: concerned with when it comes to OU. No, never going to struggle. And with Cole Adams out of the picture, now you lead for Jaquazy Petaway at this point in time, and sounds like you lead for Anthony Evans. That one doesn't seem like as much of a sure thing as Petaway. But if you close with a wide receiver class of Keon Brown, Jaquais Pettaway, and Anthony Evans, I think you'll take that if you're the Oklahoma Super No, you
0: definitely take that. We just know how, you know, things work. And if Cole Adams—here's the unfortunate reality of the situation. Is those guys that you just mentioned, if all of them end up coming to OU, and on the off chance that all of them have great careers, Parker— then OU will prove to be right on this deal. Um, But if Cole Adams goes to Alabama and he's a star in Tuscaloosa, you know how that works. It's, oh, that was a clear miss. They got in too late. That was a big time missed opportunity. If Cole Adams is great at Alabama, then it was a terrible decision by the staff. If he's not any good at all at Alabama, well, obviously the staff saw something that nobody else did. That's... Well, in it, the fans' eyes, that's how we're going to you know, measure this thing.
1: It'll either be Josh Jacobs or David Cornwell. Half the people listening probably don't exactly. even know who David Cornwell is, and that's my point.
0: Yeah, Norman North uh, quarterback, Back, by the way. Cir-
1: circa 2013-2014, there were legions of fans freaking out about the fact that Bob Stoops wouldn't offer David Cornwell to come play quarterback at the University of Oklahoma. Now, here we are in 2022, and – Virtually no one remembers David Cornwell's name. They all remember Josh Jacobs, though. Yeah. They all remember Josh Jacobs.
0: Text line. I think if Cole Adams was the size of Jaden Gibson, I think OU would have offered immediately. Oh, I, I, I'm sure that there's some, there's some truth to that. We've talked about it several times. OU has a type right now, and not every single offer that they're going to throw out is going to be to kids, you know, six, six one, or you know, two fifteen or heavier. They did offer Dylan Edwards, who was a very small guy. But for the most part, Parker, um, you're going to have to be a larger individual to get offered by OU. If you're smaller and they offer you, it's just because you are so dynamic of a player, uh, they're not willing to pass up on that. But they want to have a bigger football team at at, at all positions. I
1: think that's obviously very clear. Yeah, and to be fair, to be fair to Oklahoma, especially ever since they got the commitment from Keon Brown. They have pretty much squarely turned their focus to smaller, faster wide yeah. receivers. So that you can, because you need both. You need both, right? You can't have only six foot five guys in your wide receiver room. That's not a recipe for success. It would be fun, right? It's always fun to have seven different guys that you can throw a jump ball to. But you gotta have some dudes with the capacity to run away from the defense. And Jaquais Petaway and Anthony Evans are two guys that fit that mold to a tee.
0: Yeah, so Cole Adams announcing today at 5:30 and you know, once he got the Alabama offer and I can't fault the kid for it. It's Alabama and their success at wide receiver the past 5 years has been unmatched. But it felt like everyone that offered before and after Alabama was always chasing the tide. Whether it was LSU, whether it was Tennessee, whether it was OU, um OU was always going to have to make up ground on Alabama and that seemed like it was the case for everyone else as well. Did, did anyone
1: even finish a close second here? I Oklahoma made things interesting and I here's the thing. I don't want to make it sound like or make it seem like it was a runaway victory for Alabama if indeed they get the commitment from Cole Adams this afternoon because when Oklahoma hosted Cole Adams for his official visit, they closed the gap. They did, but the end of the day, Tyler, you go back to the situation, the conversation that we were having for months. When is Oklahoma going to offer Cole Adams? When is this offer happening? He visited. They didn't offer. What's the holdup? They waited till after Ashton Cozart had decommitted from Oregon before offering Cole Adams. And we talked at the time about just how bad those optics were. And – Bama prioritized Cole Adams from the get-go. I remember I remember having it out with people on the message boards who didn't believe that Cole Adams' offer to Alabama was committable. Because five foot ten kid from Oklahoma, no way Nick Saban really wants that type of player. Yeah. Right? But as it would turn out. We weren't lying to you. We said Alabama really wanted Cole Adams. Uh,
0: Anybody that's good. This is a text line. Anybody that's good enough to be offered by Alabama is definitely good enough to be offered by OU. OU dropped the ball on this one by slow playing it. Period. Okay. Um, If Cole Adams wasn't from Oklahoma, would they have offered? That's actually a good question. I mean, it depends on where. Um, If he was from the state of Texas, I mean, probably, maybe, yeah. If he's from Idaho. Probably not. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, if it's in the surrounding area, probably. I re- this one says I remember being mad as hell about David Cornwell. He and Brody Croyle begin my Bama hate. There's a pretty large gap between Brody Croyle and David Cornwell. Yes, Brody there is. Croyle was the starting quarterback against OU in that 2003 game in
1: in Tuscaloosa. Well, man, your your Alabama hate was in the beginning stages. Yeah, for a decade. yeah,
0: yeah. He uh, Brody Croyle did have the Bama bangs though. Did have the Bama bangs, the uh, Southern boy haircut that is. So very did David pop- Cornwell,
1: didn't he? I think I yeah. think
0: I feel like every Alabama quarterback since nineteen ninety nine has had the same haircut. You know
1: where you know where David Cornwell finished out his collegiate career? Uh, was it at Nevada? Is that where he finished? Did he no, go? Did he? he, he so he go- went to Nevada. Yeah. Uh, started like three games, didn't throw a touchdown pass, I don't th- think. Threw a whole bunch of picks, got Ben with the team. He ended up at ECU yeah, okay. his last year of college football. Nice. And that would be East Central University yeah. in Ada, Oklahoma, <laughs> ne- not East Carolina University. <laughs> uh,
0: throwback. All right, that's the bad news or the not so fortunate news, whatever. How about the good news? Okay. And we just talked about quarterbacks. Let's stay on quarterbacks. This is not my opinion. This is the opinion of people that are uh, out at the Elite 11 right now. I I guess Jackson Arnold is balling out, at least through day one. And the thought through day one is, dang, is he the best
1: quarterback here? There's a very good chance that is the case. And look, there are two elite top-of-the-line signal callers, at least according to the recruiting rankings, that are not participating. One being Arch Manning. We talked at length about Arch on this show yesterday. Uh, the other is Nico Yamaleava, the Tennessee commit from the state of California, Long Beach area. Nico has a legitimate reason to miss the Elite 11. He's also a very, very gifted volleyball player, and he is playing in a national volleyball team. Oh, tournament. that sounds amazing. Yeah, it's just, so he's... Beach volleyball or indoor volleyball? I think it's indoor. Hmm. But he's so he is at a national volleyball tournament instead of going to the Elite 11. I guess that was a commitment that he had previously made, and uh, he decided to honor it. Arch Manning has no reason not to be competing at the Elite 11. Let's just call it like it is. Uh, you can't make excuses for the kid. With those two out of the picture, here's what you have in terms of five star signal callers at the event you have Malachi Nelson you have Dante Moore, who barely, barely, barely edged out Jackson Arnold for the Alpha Dog Honors, per our experts at 24-7 Sports, at yesterday's Elite 11 competition. And then, of course, Jackson Arnold himself, just off the podium, you have Jaden Rashada, who was a five-star at one point, is currently on the precipice, but a four-star as things stand in the 24-7 Sports composite. So, uh, of the performances that we witnessed yesterday at the Elite 11. The word from out in Los Angeles was that there was a very clear top two, and that top two was Dante Moore and Jackson Arnold.
0: Yeah, and that's just one day. This does not mean I'm not trying to make it sound like that um, Jackson Arnold is going to be a better player than Malachi Nelson. I mean, certainly he's going to have that opportunity, but I really bring it up, Parker, because it's interesting. I mean, Jackson Arnold He's a five-star quarterback. T-ish. He looked like the second best quarterback out of the Elite Eleven yesterday. Yet there's not a whole lot of fanfare around him right now by the fan base. And I don't I don't know why that is. There was, you know, much more celebration over Caleb Williams, a lot more over Spencer Rattler. I, I can name I feel like I can name a decent number of quarterbacks here in the past decade that have gotten more attention than Jackson Arnold. I I guess I'm kind of confused as to why that is because so far it's early in the week, but he's showing himself to be one of the best quarterbacks in the Elite 11 and
1: and deserving in that five-star billing. I think it has a lot to do with the shadow that is cast by Arch Manning, for one thing but also just how deep this quarterback class is. This is legitimately one of the deepest quarterback classes, if not the absolute deepest, in the modern recruiting era. You take Arch Manning out of the picture, most other years Malachi Nelson would be the nation's number one prospect. Most other years, Nico Iamaleava would be the nation's number one overall prospect. Those are three guys... I'm sorry, those are two guys, speaking of Malachi and Nico, and then Arch, who is technically the number one in this class. But Malachi and Nico, most other years, they would be the clear number one in any recruiting class. So when you have three guys that are legitimately I, – I have to keep correcting myself – two guys that are legitimately deserving and three that apparently are deserving of the number one overall slot, and then you have a couple additional guys further down the list – in Dante Moore and Jaden Rashada as well as Jackson Arnold that most other years would probably be top ten nationally regardless of position. I mean, you are looking at what could be a generationally remembered class of quarterbacks. Yeah, and you got
0: one of those guys, and I think there's a real chance that – you know, Dylan Gabriel here for one year, two years, I think this year heavily kind of hinges on that. But Jackson Arnold could be your quarterback when you're in position to really get over the hump and win a national championship. I, I mean, I when I look at the future of the quarterback position outside of Dylan Gabriel, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at Jackson Arnold. Nick Evers will factor into that, but... Jackson Arnold's hard to ignore right now. And and here was the blurb on him from yesterday. Um, Arnold was right there with Moore, matching him throw for throw. He is a true dual-threat quarterback and has a strong frame and really put-together lower body. He gets a lot of velocity on the ball and threw one of the more consistent spirals today through a decent wind. There was a stretch where we saw Arnold throw about ten balls in a row where you couldn't have placed it more accurately if you walked over to the receiver and handed it to him. So... Not not only did the – just overall did it look good, there was a lot of consistency with the throws as well,
1: according to 24-7. Air cover solution text line. Come on, Parker, don't be so harsh on Arch. He had a minor wrist injury that prevented him from competing in the Manning camp. And now the Elite 11. He'll be ready to go against St. Mary's School for the Blind. Uh, Oh, wow. I mean, everyone's
0: just dogging on to a Louisiana high school talent. I will say – uh, though I agree with it. You know, Jason White maybe uh, didn't play the highest level of Oklahoma high school football, and I'm cherry-picking a little bit here. But Jason White turned out to be all right. Just Daddy saying. did. Just Daddy he did. But that is cherry-picking a little bit, and I get that. All right, Air Cover Solutions text line. We'll get to uh, more of them coming up next. We got a lot of cruton stuff today. 405-651-3439. It is locked in live on the ref for the homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune. Live on the ref, for the homeless suitor fans. Our buddy Travis Davidson joining us next segment at 235. Quick nugget here, four-star out- offensive lineman out of Odessa, Permian. I got a dog named Mojo and a cat named Panther. He commits to uh, Clemson today, four-star, which he walked by me at the spring game this year. Harris Parker. Sewell did. Harris Sewell did, and uh, oh boy, he was a large. A large man, very large human being. Oh, you had a hat on the table today, but uh, he he goes to he goes to Clemson. Yeah, at one point did. it felt like that was a Texas or A and M type of thing, um,
1: but Clemson snuck in there. Yeah, how about that? Clemson is recruiting very very well right now, which is a tip of the cap to Dabo Sweeney. That is not easy to do after losing both of your coordinators to head coaching positions elsewhere. Obviously, Tony Elliott went to be the head coach at Vir- Virginia. Yes, he went to be the head coach at Virginia. I had to check myself. I, I got Yeah, because Bronco with... Mendenhall is not there anymore, no. right? So yeah. Tony Ellis, the head coach of Virginia, and obviously Brent Venables came here to Oklahoma. Um, I was I was just thinking in the break, Tyler, about how laughable the argument is that, well, he's a Manning. He'll be a star. He's a Manning. He got them bloodlines. You know, Joe Montana had two sons that played quarterback, too. Yeah, didn't one go to play at Washington and never really played? Is that is that right? Exactly. One ended up graduating from Tulane, and the other ended up graduating from West Virginia Wesleyan.
0: Uh, John so, Elway had a son. Did he go play at Arizona State? I think he played at Arizona State with Brock Osweiler. And you're like, we're using, oh, he did? We're using exactly. the term
1: play loosely. Right. <laughs> <here. But laughs> he was on the it, team. Exactly. If you don't know that any of those kids existed, that's okay, because that's kind of the point that I'm getting at. Just because... Your dad or your grandfather or someone uh, that someone that has generational blood ties to you was a great quarterback. That doesn't mean that you're automatically going to be a great quarterback, too. Well,
0: I mean, he's also going to a place where, you know, high-ranked quarterback um, hasn't been a great place. I mean... It, the last truly elite quarterback that Texas has had is the last time they were any good at football, which is 2009 with Colt McCoy. That's a long str- – I mean, they, they've they brought in four-star, five-star talent since then, and they've struck out every single year. So it's, it's about Arch Manning for me,
1: but it's also about the Texas football program where he's going to play too. Air Comfort Solutions text line, if OU adds Caden Green, Jacoby Johnson, Dylan Smothers, P.J. Adabare, Samuel Masigo, and Jaquaze Petaway, They'd rank fourth in the country according to twenty four seven sports team rankings. Everyone who is freaking out needs to relax. That comes from Boomer Brady. Uh, I have OU crystal balls in for all six of those guys at this point. So yeah, I I I, I believe they're going six for six. Yeah, I don't. I mean, OU is
0: going to be fine in the end. Will they have a higher recruiting class than Texas? I don't think so. No, but no. you know, Texas will probably have a top three class. Um, but here's the thing, you know, when I said this about Jimbo. And I don't know if Nick Saban did this intentionally, but if he did, it was it was brilliant. What Nick Saban did this offseason is he divided, it was what he did was put Texas A&M, they are now the poster boy for NIL, right? And we know A&M got the highest ever ranked recruiting class last year. So if Jimbo Fisher doesn't win in the next two years at a high level, meaning probably win the SEC West, I think that his reputation as a head coach is going to take a pretty large hit. Well, he had the number one recruiting class. He's got all this NIL stuff, and he still can't get over the hump at Texas A&M? Really? I think with this particular recruiting class and getting Arch Manning, I don't know if Sark is to the level of pressure that Jimbo's going to have the next couple years. I don't think he's far off, though. If Sark and Jimbo don't win big, get over the hump in the next two years, I think, and we're already looking at Sark that way, but I think we're really going to be like, golly these guys couldn't get it done at those two schools with those type of classes how is that
1: possible yeah well and i think sark is under a lot more pressure to win big than jimbo is if i'm being honest because texas fans and texas bmds have the expectation of success based on the history of their program All Right, they have the expectation that texas is going to be a perennial powerhouse Same thing with Nebraska. That's why they tired of Bo Pelini winning nine games a year, is because Nebraska fans and Nebraska BMDs had the expectation of success based on history. That expectation isn't there at Texas A&M. So does Jimbo Fisher need to win big eventually if he wants to keep his job? Sure. But – I think if he plateaus the way that Polini did at Nebraska, for instance, and he wins nine, ten games a year for four or five more years – I don't think they're going to grow impatient with it. I
0: I think they will, and here's why. I think A&M is one of those fan bases that has unrealistic expectations as to what they are. Now, you and I can look at the past 80 years and say, well, here's what Texas A&M has been. Why would they expect to be any different? But with the money flowing in, what kind of fan base they are, I think that they do expect at least to win the SEC West at some point. I'm sorry, I don't think Jimbo's going to do that, man. Uh, Boomer Brady, Arch, another Chris Sims. LOL. Yeah, that could be the case. If if he, um, I think especially if Arch struggles against OU, um, then I definitely think the Chris Sims comparisons are really going to come out with Arch. I mean, they're already there, so people are already looking for that. But if Arch never beats OU, then just like Chris Sims, they're going to label him as that type of guy.
1: Well, that, was, that was what his two uncles did, Payne and Eli. Never beat Florida. So right. Maybe that'll be, maybe OU will be Florida for Arch. <laughs> if Bloodline was the key to being a star QB, then Willie Robertson would have been at LSU instead of making Duck calls. That comes from a listener from my own home base, the 402. Yeah,
0: that's that's not, I, I haven't watched that show in about five, six years now. Oh, it's um, been longer than that for me. Is uh, Duck Dynasty still on the air no, anymore? No, no. It's not? I don't think so. Long gone? Yeah, long gone. He gone. Uh, which, by the way, I asked the question, like, why is the fanfare not very high for Jackson Arnold? And the response on the text line was, well, we got burned by the last two guys, and plus he was a four-star when he first got the commitment, not a five-star. So, if you're not a five-star quarterback, I don't know, Parker, you're not going to get the excitement of some of these guys that have uh, that have come before, unfortunately.
1: Did you really get burned by the last two guys? Uh, I mean, I, I, mean,
0: yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the, the, uh, both Did, of their career, both of their OU careers will be labeled as a massive disappointment. because here's
1: here's my thing. Did they meet expectations? No. Certainly, the expectations were higher for Spencer Rattler than what he showed on the football field. But he still had a really good season, a really good season in 2020, his first and only year as the full time starter at Oklahoma, and with Caleb Williams. If things don't go down the way they do, he's still playing quarterback for the Sooners and probably a Heisman front runner heading into the season. So, i I don't know if i I don't know if I concur with the assessment that you got burned by those two because you still milked really good football out of them. You got really good football out of Rattler in 2020, and you got some moments for the ages, at the very least, out of Caleb Williams in the half season that he was the starter at Oklahoma. But I I, I understand. So are you,
0: are you willing to say that those weren't – like, from what they were built up to be coming in, they weren't disappointing careers? And I would say they're disappointing
1: careers. Yes. I definitely but think I, they're disappointing I, careers. Yeah, no, I, I just don't – I guess – I'm of the opinion that those two shouldn't leave a bad taste in your mouth with regard to Jackson Arnold, especially because there's been the turnover in the coaching staff and you're going to have Jeff Lebby rather than Muleshoe providing the tutelage for Jackson Arnold. By the way, Samuel Omasego,
0: 3 p.m. tomorrow, going to make the announcement. You'll be there, correct? I will be there. Live, on-site, 3 p.m. Parker Thune's got that one covered. And, hey, just saying, I don't want to – ruin anyone's day or surprise but if parker's going to cover the thing i don't know i don't know i may be significant i don't think he's going to go down there to you know cover a kid that might uh, announce to washington state or anything like that so just saying just saying 405-651-3439 is the air coverage solutions text line we'll go up the turnpike we'll talk to travis davidson coming up next live on the ref Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. for the home of Sooner fans. Elite Roofing Systems bringing you this hour of locked in, EliteRoofing.com. Uh, let's go up to the 918. So our buddy Travis Davidson got a lot of recruiting to talk about today. Travis, let's just do this. I'm going to say the name Cole Adams and just say go. Cole Adams, go.
2: Oh, man. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, and it's really frustrating you know, living in Tulsa and seeing so many kids get out of state. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I can't explain it. I simply can't explain it. And I know there's there's been no official announcement that I've seen, but uh, Crystal Balls, uh, we'll assume, are correct in this case. Uh, uh, Cole Adams heading to Bama. I'm going to read you a list of, you know, Josh Jacobs is, a, is really the, the name everybody knows that was thrown in our face of Man, OU didn't recruit him and didn't recruit him early enough. So he went to Bama and then he embarrassed us on a national stage and now he's a starting running back in the NFL. Um, we're gonna use that as a starting point. Since then, these are all four star and up players that are from the nine one eight that did not end up at Oklahoma. Now some of these players, of course, maybe we had recruited over, maybe maybe we you know, they had ties to other schools, maybe Maybe they just didn't grow up wanting to go to OU, and I totally get that. But uh, all of these players are four stars or above. C.J. Moore, Josh Proctor, Ricky Stromberg, Grayson Boomer, Dax Hill, Miles Slusher, Javion Hester. I realize now he transferred to OU, but he went to Missouri first. Um, Savion Morrison, A.J. Green, Kendall Daniels, Morian Horn, Braylon Presley, Chris McClellan, uh, Cole Adams, Luke has obviously is committed to Arkansas, and then Mike Atiz. That's not trending towards the Sooners. That's a lot of names. Yeah, and when you, there's a first-round draft pick it, in there
0: too, isn't there, Travis?
2: Oh yes, there is. Yep, a recent one. So that's the thing. There's a lot of names, and it's you know we talk about you know I'm the I'm the only nine one eight employee uh, of the station, of course, and uh, you know being out here, I see a lot of Arkansas fans, a lot of OSU fans. Well, you're starting to see a lot of Arkansas and OSU alums that played football as well. So um, I don't know. Uh, it's it's maddening to say the least. I know a lot of these guys, you know, and I've talked to them about recruitment, whatnot, and it's it's like, man, I don't know. We we gotta if we wanna really put, you know, a fence around the state and make sure that players that grow up in Oklahoma, you know, especially four stars and up, you know, end up at the University of Oklahoma, then we gotta do a better job in Tulsa. It's just as simple as that.
1: Travis, one to ten, your level of shock that Jackson Arnold is out in LA throwing seeds at the Elite Eleven.
2: Uh, you said one to ten. I would. I would have gone zero, but I guess I'll go one. <laughs> yeah, the, the the dude's the real deal. Um, I, I was I was really looking forward to seeing him up against that that top quarterback uh, that went south of the river. But uh, he won't even he won't even camp in his own family's camp. So um, I don't know. Will he even be allowed to play at Texas, or is that too much exposure for him?
0: Uh, it depends on who the other quarterback is. If they have a scrub on the other side, yes. But if it's someone pretty good, he might have a finger injury or something. You know.
2: I got you. I got you.
0: Hey, speaking of Jackson Arnold, is and I don't know. I don't think there's like a common misconception about him. I just mentioned that I don't think that there's as much fanfare as the other previous quarterbacks that they've recruited. Is um is the thing though that would surprise people the most just how much of a dual threat quarterback he is. Do you think that's fair to say?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fair. It's, you know, the game's kind of going that way, and seeing – I think that would surprise people about Matt Corral, too. I think seeing what Levy has done in the past, he's got a type. Most quarterback, you know, gurus or offensive coordinators, whatever you want to call them, they have a specific type. Um, Jackson Arnold can absolutely do it all, um, and I'm excited to see as this Elite 11 camp uh, continues uh, what, how he ends up in the final rankings. Uh, I'd like to see him climb in the uh, 247 rankings. Do we know anybody that works for
1: 247? I, I don't, actually, no. All my contacts there are gone. <laughs> uh, hey, Travis, uh, how excited should Sooner fans be if they do end up getting a commitment from four-star Crandall linebacker Samuel Masiego tomorrow?
2: Oh, stoked. I mean, I, I, think, I think we obviously started to see um, some of what we keep talking about um, all the time with all the uh, – Sky is falling, all the chicken littles that happen to be uh, uh, in our fan base. Uh, God love them, no doubt. They're just they're really passionate, and they, they want to see results. But uh, you're going to see the, the one of the first dominoes, obviously, uh, with Heath and then with uh, you see the Yamaha tweets coming out. Um, you see it kind of start percolating a little bit. Um, but, man, I, I think we had, if we were to start with Heath, I think we had, I don't know, give me double digits. Give me ten commitments uh, before August.
0: Travis Davidson is our guest at Travis Cole S-K-O-L on Twitter. He'll be hosting with me on Friday from 3 to 6 as he ever, as he does every single Friday during the summer. Um, Daylon Smothers, you just mentioned him. 5'11", 182, out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Four-star. It's OU, it's Florida State, it's North Carolina, and it's Alabama. A lot of crystal balls out there for OU right now. Is this one that's imminent, and how, how should OU fans feel about this four-star back?
2: Well, uh, so DeMarco Murray uh, does it again, it would seem, um, a- after locking up 225 top 125 running backs in the last class that actually were the top two rated players in our entire class uh, last year. He goes out, um, looks like he does it again, uh, if, if, if when Smothers announces, of course, it's, it's Oklahoma. But I'll tell you what, one of the more entertaining things I've done in a while is you know, why don't you spend some time and I know a lot of fans do this already, but for those that don't, here's a new fun thing for you. Go on to the two four seven message boards of kids that maybe we were competing with, of schools that we were competing with. Like go to Florida State's board right now and just click on one of the one of the DeMarco message, you know, threads or something like that. That is wildly entertaining. They are not having a good time in Tallahassee.
1: No, no they are not, Travis and uh, looking ahead for DeMarco Murray if indeed the Sooners lock down a commitment from Dalen Smothers that'll be two consecutive classes where he's picked up not one but yeah. two yeah. of the top 10 running backs in the cycle how does that set him up in 2024 with guys like Stacy Gage and Devonnie Mizell
2: um, I mean it's I, I think you really got to look at what you know Javante Barnes and Gavin Sancho do on the field this year you know that's it's one thing to recruit them, obviously. It is another thing to develop them, as we've seen. Right? Um, that reminds me of somebody else. But um, if if Javante has the season that a lot of fans and a lot of a lot of plugged-in people think he's going to have, and Sawchuck uh, uh, has equal success or, or or close to it, or at least shows flashes, then you're really going to see, you know, Demarco get a stranglehold on recruiting two top ten backs you know, just going forward for the most part. Hey,
0: I mean this. You did a great job covering the uh, Men's College World Series for us, uh, not just last weekend, but all of last week in in Omaha. You were at every single press conference, felt like you were at every single game. That was was really good stuff. I I guess we haven't – or I haven't talked to you since – that championship series against Ole Miss, and as we kind of put a bow on that championship series, just kind of your final thoughts about the game, the attendance, just everything that surrounded that uh, that uh, short two game series.
2: Yeah, it's it's one of those things that you know our you know our trusty hot bats cooled off at the wrong time. Uh, the pitching was still uh, really good. Not, not enough can be said about Kate Horton's uh, um, Kate Horton's. Outing, uh, historic outing, record outing, if you will, most strikeouts ever at the College World Series. We'll see what his future looks like. All the signs pointing, and his quotes seem to be pointing towards a return, which would be very nice. Um, but obviously, the the elephant in the room is the attendance. Um, I, I do think, and I've been saying this uh, for the last week. You know, it, it starts at home. Like, really, the, the, the fan base, you know, a lot of people are really upset saying, well, you know, maybe I can't afford to drop everything and go spend, you know, thousands of dollars on hotels and tickets and gas and everything. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to have more than, I don't know, 600 people at a home game. You know, the season tickets right now, uh, I think you can do a $25 per seat deposit uh, on on the school's website right now, and $25 per seat. And season tickets are only, I think they're aiming for 150 two hundred dollars for the whole season so when you talk about I'm not well, you know it, it starts at home getting that getting that culture and everything built up because you know Ole Miss was having 10,000 people at their stadium at home games you know it, if we, we can never we can never expect to have a massive crowd at you know at Omaha if we you know if we don't at least have some home crowds you know momentum you can't just always count on fans that have never been to a home game to then buy the tickets and go up to Omaha so I'm really looking forward to having a lot of people at the home games this next year and if that's what this season did was wake up a lot of people to the great things that Skip Johnson and and co are doing in Norman Oklahoma then it was all worth it
1: Travis before we let you go how well does this set Oklahoma baseball up in terms of recruiting in terms of facility upgrades in terms of just the overall culture and direction of the program as they prepare to make the transition to the sec because it seems like a run like this was just what the doctor ordered for ou baseball
2: no man you couldn't have said it better the the just what the doctor ordered of course i mean you've got you've you've seen it you've seen the, the money coming in the the financial commitments from donors coming in you've seen the excitement i mean just being on that stage and then honestly Being on the stage and being, you know, kind of embarrassed by Ole Miss's fan base, you know. They probably had 20,000 people. We might have had 2,000 people maybe. And then the rest were probably just people that, you know, enjoyed the event, live around Omaha and whatnot. I think that was kind of the shot in the arm that people needed as well. We needed to be kind of put on the biggest stage. And that momentum, we can turn that momentum. Um, I've already seen some people buying and putting their deposits down on season tickets you know, donating, uh, you know, things with NIL, get that NIL train rolling with the baseball program. Keep in mind that one Oklahoma uh, NIL collective deals with softball, basketball, and football. So baseball is still kind of currently, you know, out to dry when it comes to that collective. But um, all that kind of stuff, you know, that that helps with recruiting. Obviously, Skip Johnson uh, is able to focus more on kind of being the CEO of the program and focus on pitching. So you'd like to think that, um, you know, our pitching recruiting uh, is, is still going to stay hot. So I'm super excited. I'm going to be at, at, at a bunch of games next year.
0: Travis, good stuff, man. I'll talk to you Friday.
2: All right. I appreciate you guys as always.
0: There you go. Travis Davison. he joins us every single Wednesday at 2.35, and he's also on with me every Friday during the summer from 3 to 6 p.m. All right, we'll wrap up Locked In coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref for the homeless Sooner fans. Final segment, Locked In with McComas and Thune. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, live on The Ref. Elite Roofing Systems, they're bringing you this hour of Locked In. They're servicing all of Oklahoma's roofing needs. Let Craig Cox and the team at Elite Roofing put over three decades of experience to work for you. Oklahoma City, 405-361-3094. Tulsa, 918-984-5475. Or EliteRoofOK.com. Um, If it wasn't bad enough, the Longhorn Nation, we're back, or the Texas is back, folks, on ESPN after the Notre Dame win. Well, John Cook, five-star wide receiver who just committed to UT, said, quote, this class is going to be the natty class, end quote. So, hey, if you're looking for just yet another
1: reason why
0: this isn't going to work out for Texas, there's the kiss of death. This class is going to be the Natty class. Please
1: tell me it's on video somewhere.
0: Uh, I, just, I just read the quotes, um, okay. but I'm, I'm sure it's on we're video gonna, we're somewhere. Need that we will find We're going to need yes. that in
1: the archives because we will pull it out five years from now. No doubt about it. Wow. Because that was what Texas needed—was more rat poison. <laughs> this class is going to be the natty class, not the one before it that was ranked number
0: two, or you know, the one that was ranked number one. No, 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 no. this one. No, seriously, this one right now is going to be the natty class. Okay, Tay Cook, I'll uh, I'll remember that. Which it will be funny if he doesn't even end up signing uh, with Texas in
1: December. That they're, would be hilarious. They're about to get Cedric Baxter too, so this is <laughs> this is not the end of the road. Yeah, oh, no, they're they're going to be flirting with the
0: number 1 overall class, I would say. Ohio State's got a great class. What they signed two five-star wide receivers last week, I think. Notre Dame still having a great class, but Texas might end up with the number 1 overall recruiting class, man. I, I think that that's a that's a real possibility. It's on the table. It's on the table. And 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 please let it ha- You know what? I'm rooting for it. I'm rooting <laughs> for Texas to have the number 1 class. Please. Let A&M and Texas go back-to-back, the number 1 overall recruiting class, and they still suck and they can't get over the hump. The over-under, Parker, that I'm setting is 0.5. Uh, that is conference titles for Texas while Arch Manning is there. Are you taking the over or the under on 0.5 conference championships for Arch at UT?
1: Which, wh- while you think about that, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on by the time arch is there they're going to be in the sec under under i was say you know what maybe maybe they put maybe they string something together in the big 12 to the point where they all all the stars align and they win a conference championship in the in the sec absolutely not under
0: yeah i mean it's under but the the point is they could still be in the big 12 for two of arch's three years at texas and the number would still be 0.5 and isn't that just a joke all in itself? <laughs> that the over under, you can't put it at one or one and a half or anything like that. You legitimately have to put the over under of the number one quarterback going to a very average con- conference right now, 0.5 over under on winning a conference championship. Somebody on the text line said, 1400 the horn, all
1: Texas, all day. Hey, you're
0: an easy target. I don't know what to tell you. You're an easy target. And when everyone else, once again, is hyping them up, yeah, we're gonna talk about it. Because I gotta remind, we gotta remind everyone that Texas is still Texas, by God. And guess what? All the hype is just going to eventually lead to a seven and five, eight and four season next year. And they'll be sitting in Austin on the first Saturday of December while OU and Baylor are playing for a Big Twelve championship next year. Mad props to
1: Steve Sarkeesian, though because what he's doing right now is basically pulling a Sam Presti. He's like, well, I don't have to be good this year or next year or the year after that. As long as I can give some s- some tangible reason for my fans to be excited about the future, I'm going to have a job. Yeah, No, I mean, I, it, it does. It's true. You go five and seven, and people are saying, ooh.
0: I mean, we might really kick the tires if he has a very average year too, but you just got Arch Manning and regardless if you think he's you know overhyped or rated fairly, whatever, you're not going to fire the coach that has a quarterback committed that's the number one overall player in the class.' You're, I mean you're just not you're not going to do that. So this pretty much cements to me, Parker, that Sark could go six and six this year. And he's still going to keep his job for year three. And in fact, he may be able to go five and seven this year and he'll still be back for year three. Unless, as long as
1: Arch stays committed. Hey, unless he shows up to practice inebriated again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's got a long leash.
1: Now and even then, even then he might stick
0: around. Now if uh if Texas goes five and seven this year and Arch decommits in late November and goes to Georgia then the story is going to be a little bit different. But as long as Arch is committed to UT, Sark's leash there is—he is uh, it, he, 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 he's safe. He—he's he, safe.
1: How do you think Quinn Ewers feels right now? Not very good. Because I, like Quinn Ewers from the get-go, and I don't know if it's the kid or, it's, or his family, but he's been all about the attention. Right? It was—it was an NIL bag tour for him as a prospect. He got that big NIL deal to go play at Ohio State, and then it was another NIL bag tour. Once he hit the transfer portal. And now none of the eyes are on him. They're all on Arch Manning, his successor. Wonder what it's like to be Quinn Ewers right now. He's
0: not in a a legitimate quarterback battle this year, but he is in a legitimate quarterback battle. He's in a quarterback battle right now, not with Hudson Card, but a kid that's about to play his senior year of high school. Every throw that he misses, well, I think Arch will make that throw next year. Not a fun spot to be in. All right, that'll do it for locked in. The rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.